0: I'll be Carolina. You're watching My Fellow Americans with your host, Spy
1: yes! Cohen. Yes! It's me. I'm back. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Keep clapping. Clap for the miracle. How would we know that you want the miracle if you didn't keep clapping? Welcome to My Fellow Americans. I am Literally, Spike Cohen. I am back, and I'm ready to go. I've missed you all, and I'm so excited to bring you this program tonight. Tonight's episode, by the way, is more Jewish than a sale on for rent signs. Huh? 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 Yeah, this is a Muddy Waters Media Production. Check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Anchor, Twitter, Periscope, iTunes, Google Play, Float, everywhere. Actually, just check us out on Float and Anchor. Leave Facebook, Instagram, YouTube forever. Treat them like MySpace, just leave them forever and join us on Float and Anchor. They are actually free in that you don't have to pay for them and they won't censor you and you can donate money and crypto to us on them. So join us at all of those things. Be sure to like us, follow us, five star us or 10 star us, whatever the maximum number of stars that you can give us on your given platform of choice. Be sure to do that. Maximum number of stars. If there's a bell there, like on YouTube, hit the bell. If there's a, if there's any kind of anything, you have to hit, hit that. Just be sure to hit and like and rate and do whatever else and share us and swipe right on us. Um, be sure to share this video right now. The last thing I want is for your closest friends and loved ones to miss out on a roughly hour-long libertarian podcast on a Wednesday evening. Give the gift of Spike Cohen today, kids. Love it. This program is brought to you by Anchor FM, which I will be plugging later on in this program, probably roughly halfway through, hopefully at an incredibly inappropriate moment. Uh, the intro and outro music is brought to you by the amazing and talented Mr. Joe Davi. That's J-O-D-A-V-I. Check him out on Facebook, SoundCloud. Go to his band camp, Joe Davi Music. J-O-D-A-V-I-M-U-S-I-C. Forgot to spell the music. Band, dot, bandcamp.com buy his entire discography it's like 15 bucks you will love it I would like to thank Kroger for this delicious purified drinking water that I drink on this in every episode of My Fellow Americans absolutely hmm. that is definitely purified water Bula I would like to thank my guest tonight actually for this sweet ass gear I'm wearing you can get this sweet ass taxation is theft hat and a bunch of other stuff by going to taxationistheft.cards. And you can get these equally sweet-ass wristbands at berman2020.com. B-E-H-R-M-A-N 2020.com. This one says, end the drug war. And it's got weed leafs on it because I'm super edgy. And then uh, this one says, Taxation is theft. Be sure to go there and get those today. What else? Shout out to Teron Turks' mom and them as always. Guys, before... I introduced my guest tonight. I need to bring up two incredibly important things. First of all, it has finally happened. The libertarian dad bod calendar has arrived and I look just amazing. You can have this sexy photo and 11 other photos of slightly less sexy libertarian men, except for Tom Arnold, who is actually more sexy than me, but you can have all of us hanging from your fridge or wherever you hang sexy men. For the low, low price of only $17, which I believe even includes shipping. You can literally have this shipped to your doorstep mailbox or wherever they ship sexy men to you, sexy libertarian men, for only $17. Your donation of $17 will go to the campaigns of uh, Libertarian Party candidates. Just go to libertariandadbod.com and you can have this today. And if you decide to donate $30, I will sign your copy. We'll figure that out, how I'll do that, but I will sign your copy Uh, with whatever you want it to say. And if you donate $1,000, I will come to your house and recreate each of these poses for you and then sign it. I'll sign myself. Just $1,000. And then also, the Libertarian Party is just chock. This is the second thing. The Libertarian Party is just chock full of caucuses. Most of them, or many of them, I shouldn't say most of them, many of them are just utterly pointless and useless. I've decided to put an end to all of this silliness by starting my own caucus, the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus. Our purpose is to share the message of liberty, community, and waffles. So if you care about waffles and at least one of those other two things, be sure to sign up to the Libertarian Waffle House Caucus today. The link is in the show notes, or you can just search in Facebook for the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus. So I hope to see you there. Guys, my guest tonight is an absolute legend. He is an international speaker, he is a software engineer who has worked with many Fortune 500 companies, he is a political strategist who has helped countless Libertarian campaigns and activists, and he is currently running for the Libertarian Party nomination for President of these United States. Ladies and gentlemen, my fellow Americans, please welcome to the show Mr. Dan Taxationist Theft Berman. Dan, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm welcome. Really- Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm I'm jumping between my podcast and your podcast. Welcome to my podcast.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Well, welcome <laughs> to the Dan welcome me to the Dan Taxationist. I'm gonna Def-
2: welcome you to your own podcast. How's welcome that?
1: to my own podcast, everyone. I don't know what's happening anymore. Hey everyone, welcome to wherever you are listening to the two of us on the internet. Dan, I'm really honored to have you on. I got one for you okay
2: two Jews walk into a podcast uh, that's it I, I didn't have the, the rest of it yet
1: no but it's true it's, it's really just a statement of fact <laughs> two Jews literally
2: walk can we say literally literally did we literally walk into a podcast
1: we I actually walked in here so two Jews walk into two two podcasts I'm really honored to have you on when you went on my co-host Matt Wright's show the writer's block I was like man that was so good I better wait an acceptable amount of time to make it seem like I'm not totally jealous that you were on his show first and now here you are. Well,
2: you just spilled the beans.
1: Yeah, but I didn't Oh. <laughs> oh wow. Sorry. Yeah. It's
2: I I'm not going to make it that kind of a show. I'm not going to call you on your bullshit every other second. No,
1: I'll you try. probably should because so far this show has just been pure id and I really need like someone to come in and say no, this has to stop. And it took you. I'm... And I appreciate that. so thank you for coming on guys be sure to comment with your questions and thoughts i'm also talking to dan's podcast listeners too you guys be sure to comment with your questions and thoughts wherever you see us on the internet be sure to comment with your questions and thoughts and dan and i will tell you if you are right or wrong now dan this is both your first time on my show and my first time on your show on your show your first time on my show on your show This is your first time on my show on your show, Dan. um, I'll I'll buy that. Okay, so because of that, uh, the first thing I always ask my guests is to tell us a little story, a diddy, if you will, a Dan Diddy, about who you are and how you came about to be a libertarian. Was it an aha moment or kind of a gradual evolution? Tell us your Dan Diddy.
2: Man, well, I've been... I've been trying to tell this story before and then I, it hit me the other day. I've been telling it all wrong. Um, okay. The The story that I've been telling is, is, you know, yeah, where I grew up and where I moved and, you know, saw these, you know, learned about libertarianism, learned about Ron Paul, um, you know, all this stuff, which is great. But then I realized, I think a more true statement about why I'm doing this and how I got into this. Sorry, my dogs are a little That's bit. Fine. You know, I love it. dogs. Um, Has more to do with I saw my friends, my family, um, people who were who were close to me, people who weren't close to me, but who I could see were wronged by this system. Right. Whether it's the police, the laws, um, the taxes, uh, the wars, you know, all this stuff. I see it and I'm like, I I just can't sit and watch this it's I got to do something about this right um it's absolutely immoral that any of this stuff is going on and nobody seems well I say nobody not literally nobody figuratively nobody nobody seems to be doing anything about it and I know there are a lot of great people in the libertarian party who are trying to do something about it and um you know I just I just I gotta bring uh my own flavor to it and do as much as I can to to help you know help what everyone else is doing along and just, you know, be another soldier in the fight against all this injustice. Very cool. Very cool. Now that brings us to
1: your presidential campaign. Uh, Now I was at the, as you know, I was at the South Carolina Libertarian Party convention and debate. Um, I was not only was I there for your speech, I was literally the closest human being to you during your speech. I was like right up at the front with my camera. So I have that distinction going for me, which is nice. And if I were smart, I'd have that video showing right now, but I didn't think to put that there until this very moment. Um, so, Dan, on both of our shows at the same time, uh, I would like to say to you that uh, during that speech, uh, it was interesting because uh, I, I absolutely loved it. You you talked about traveling internationally without papers, not paying taxes, how we shouldn't even be paying taxes, and you kind of broke that down about uh, you know how how the 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 IRS. Uh, Uh, definition of who is a worker and so forth um it felt like a like a really great motivational speech speech about how you set yourself free and and how we could all do the same is that kind of like how you how you try to present it
2: yeah um i mean it's you know every time i go somewhere else i i speak a little bit differently on different subjects um and you know so it's but i i will say that you know i have had that in my history i have been kind of a seminar junkie um you know i i came from uh, being pretty unmotivated uh and or or i don't want to say uh, yeah i i i came from like an interesting past of you know trying to figure out okay how do i how do i start a business i always wanted to be an entrepreneur but how do i actually make this happen how do i get motivated enough how do i learn all these skills that i need in order to become a successful entrepreneur so right, right, i was right. a seminar junkie for a while um learned lots and lots of great things and I, I really feel that, you know, in um, the, the reason that a lot of those programs work um, are actually very interesting because of, you know, there you have a lot of information. You have to get it to people, but you also want to get people to like you don't want them to just get the information so they can recite it later. You like people need to become active and they need to be, you know, especially when we talk about the Libertarian Party and people who are in this movement um, and people who we want to support this campaign you got to get active, you need to, you need to become inspired, you need to be motivated, and uh, you you need to want to make change in the world. Right. And so I think that's kind of, you know, maybe where a little bit of that comes from. Cool. Yeah, no, it was, it was amazing. And I, I, I have to, I
1: want to ask, there are some who run for president under the Libertarian Party, and maybe under other parties as well. But I noticed a lot with the, the LP, there seem to be kind of two groups of people, there are those that are running because they're actually like trying to be elected president and then others who sort of use it as a vehicle to spread their message about freedom and liberty like they're sort of using that earned media attention they can get from it to to spread that message would you say that you're doing one or the other is it that you 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 know really want to be inaugurated as president in january of 2021 uh or is this primarily about spreading the message to people that they should be free or is it kind of
2: a combination of both I think it's really a combination of both. I mean, if you were to ask, do I want to be president? Um, The the answer is kind of no, but am I willing to be president to fix a lot of the injustice in this country and in the world? Then the answer is absolutely yes. Um, And what, what people like, people seem to like, they want to differentiate that, right? Like, is, is it um, like, are you in this to teach Liberty and, and spread it or are you in this to, to get elected? Right. And, that's the same thing. No libertarian is going to get elected until people understand what a libertarian is and want that. Right, and so right. So you right. don't get to that until you educate people and you get them on board. And this is like, this is a really important part of this because I know a lot of people think that educating people on libertarianism means going out and teaching them economics and teaching them all this other stuff. That's really not it. (laughs) Right. Um, really the idea is, and and this is what we're doing with the campaign. We've been really successful. I mean, we've got Trump supporters and and Bernie Sanders supporters and and all kinds of ex Democrats and, and ex military and ex police and everything else supporting this campaign. It's not by saying, you know, here's, here's why we need to end the fed. Um, it's really by saying, look, what do you see as a problem in the world? And once you understand what they see as a problem in the world, you can you connect the dots and say this is how libertarianism is going to fix that problem, and the, and it's not watering it down, it's not pandering, it's none of that. It's finding out how to communicate the message to them, and once you have that, um, you you have a really strong connection, and you can teach them libertarianism. And a couple of months later, you might be teaching them why they should end the Fed. But you need to make sure you get your foot in the door at the right place, and every person has a a different need um, in their life and and that's where you need to start right most people aren't
1: like they're busy worrying about making ends meet and things like that and they're not necessarily as cerebral as we are where us walking up them to them and going well yeah i understand that you know you're worried about you know how your kids are going to get into college and you know get ahead in life and how you're going to pay down your credit card debt but have you ever thought of reading rothbard because you should totally read rothbard like they're not they're not going to get that they're going to get you a giving that empowering message of saying, here's why the state and coercive entities and central planning are harming you. And here's how it's specifically to the problems that you're stating you have. And here's how libertarianism could fix that. Exactly. So, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. Um, and my, there we go. That's my screen. um, To that end, you do talk about ending the Fed, you talk about canceling government debts and ending the drug war, ending all the wars, uh, transforming the federal government into, this is what I wanted to ask you about. You talk about transforming the federal government into, as you put it, uh, quote unquote, one that interacts with its citizens on a purely voluntary basis so that we can be free from the coercive nature of abusive taxation and regulations. Um, Now, a lot of people don't really know how government could run without taxation.
2: Tell us how that could work. Sure. So um, uh, first, well, I, I kind of want to say, you know, to the, the reason that that's there is because you have a lot of people in the Libertarian Party who are like, just get rid of the whole thing. And, you you know, anarchists, they don't right. want to vote at all. But um, and they want to get rid of government completely. And there's there's a point to recognize here that if government weren't trampling our rights and it weren't robbing us and, and all these other things, would it really be so bad if it actually existed? if it were limited to building libraries with a voluntary source of funds, would it be so bad? And I think the answer is no. Okay. Um, and it would, maybe you wouldn't call it government. Maybe you would just call it a nonprofit library organization and that's fine, but tomato, tomato, right? Right, right, right. You know, whatever you want to call it. Um, but so, so yeah, the idea is that it, it needs to be voluntary. Right. Uh, and a lot of, a lot of people ask, Okay, so how do you fund a government voluntarily? Well, the first thing you do is you get rid of all of the waste, which is like probably 90 to 99% of the budget. Right. Uh, You get rid of all the waste, and then you're left with a much smaller amount that you have to come up with. Um, And so, coming up with this smaller amount, well, there are all kinds of ways that the government has raised money in the past. Um, You've got bonds that they issue for public projects, which are basically, um, you know, let's say, let's say, uh, the country needs a railroad right so the government sells bonds to build the railroad they build the railroad they they lease the railroad out to businesses who are going to use it or to um to customers who are going to use it to travel and you know this is this is probably like 1800s how how this could work right <laughs> um because because now it's like it's like the uber of cars kind of thing but so this is a government project and so the money that's charged from those railroads goes ultimately back to the government to pay off those bonds. Now, could any other private organization do that? Absolutely. Right. Do other private organizations do that? Absolutely. So it's, it comes down, but that's like the competition of it, right? That's, you know, um, if Elon Musk wants to create his uh, high-speed vacuum tunnel, whatever it's called, to um, let him and let him raise the money for that through private investors and whatever else, and he's going to charge money for it. And if government wants to do the same thing, well, let them. But the the important distinction is, when you look at um, when you look at a private person uh, like you know Elon trying to do this, he's looking at numbers. How much money are we going to make from this? Are right. we going to make enough money back to "quote unquote" pay off the bonds, right? To pay off the investors. When the government does it, they basically say, "Well, how much money can we steal from people, and is it enough to pay for this project?" Three times over right. so that we can make sure our friends in the special interest groups that are benefiting from like the steel companies and manufacturing companies and everything else right. can get can can butter their biscuit. Right. So it's um, yeah, it, they're completely separate beasts. But we have to realize that it, it is absolutely possible for government to do things. But we also need to make sure that we're not going to give them a monopoly power because then that prevents private competition, which nine times out of 10 does things much more efficiently.
1: Well, exactly. And that's the thing. You even talk about on your website, you talked about, I like how you said, I'm going to give you free healthcare and free education. You have a little V there to denote right. you're saying the verb of free. I'm going to free healthcare and free education. But but on those pages you talk about, um, on your site, you talk about how a not free market is, is, is harming us. And you talked about a couple of things you brought up where you know, a hepatitis B pill that costs $4 in India is like $4,000 here now, probably made here, I would assume, or made, if not here, then in Canada or Europe or something like that. But then it's, it's, you know, sold there at market price, banned from importation back here, uh, so that we can't get it for $4 and ship it back here, you know, a little tiny pill. Um, And then, you know, like a, a, a bag of saline, which is literally just salt water is like, up to $1,000 when it's billed to your insurance company. And it's, you know, maybe for the bag and the water combined, it's worth a dollar. Let's even say it's worth $5. But, you know, they're charging, okay. you know, literally 200 times as much. That's the the wages of a, a, as you said, an organization that's primarily concerned about getting reelected and getting their special interest paid off as opposed to making a profit and competing with others. Now, I guess my question to you is maybe this is a semantics thing. If we're talking about a government that is funded entirely voluntarily and allows private competitors to compete with it on equal terms, where they're not, you know, using regulations or licensing or whatever to harm their competitors, is how how is is that sustainably different than a stateless society in, or is it you know government name only, or do you see a distinction there?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's. I, it's really hard to say because everyone's got their definition of what government is. Right. I mean, let's say you had government and it was still just as bad, bad as it is now, but the police were a different organization. Um, the regulations were a completely different. And so you had like 10 governments. Would you call them collectively a government or not? Or would you call them 10 different governments? Would you call them nonprofit organizations? Would you call them criminal organizations? Right. Um, it, it's it's really just a name. So I, I think um yeah going back to the idea that if if you have all these organizations that are doing things and you will have I mean look even even with all of the regulations in place you've got charities you've got right. people who are willing to do good for free um and you also have scams you have scam charities that are willing to do something for free and the government has pre- hasn't prevented them from existing but it's up to us to spread the word and to our friends and say, don't donate to this place because they're a scam. Donate to the other place. Um, it, it's up to us to kind of review and do that sort of thing. Um, and you know, we have ways of doing that, like you know, through online reviews and ratings and, and word of mouth and that. And especially now, we have the technology to spread that information so much faster. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's it it it's really just like how you think about it. And what I think is really interesting is if you if you at least have competition, if there were two governments um, and let's say they all provided the same services. uh, So you had two organizations in every city that were providing police and fire and everything else. um, And two organizations nationally that had some sort of, I don't know, um, defense army or court system. um, And none of them charged taxes. And then one of them came along and said, Hey, we're going to charge taxes to everybody you have to pay it whether you agree with it or not you have right. to pay us right you, what would people do they'd probably go to the other government and say hey that guy's trying to rob us what are you going to do about it
1: exactly That's,
2: like so yeah. i think there's i think it's like really a matter of perspective about um you know people really have to understand what the purpose of government is and and to see How it's overstepped so much and that now everything that it does, good intentions or not, it's causing much more harm uh, than if it would just piss off and go away.
1: Right. And it's like you said, it's less about the definition of whether it's government or not. And it's more about is there coercion? Is there theft? Or are you being you know, are you allowed to voluntarily interact or not interact with whom you wish, whomever you wish? and allow and have, you know, multiple people being able to compete. Is it a market set free or is it, you know, another name for government? You know, now it's just, you know, mafias or something like that doing it. Um, so that that's right. a good point. Um, we have some comments here. Um, let's see. Karen Thompson says, uh, that's an amazing point. Uh, why are so many uh, career politicians super wealthy just from their political connections? I don't know any actual volunteers who have three or four houses funded, from their efforts exactly um rod weber says start talking about explosions or i'm out explode those pills explode them i want mandatory explosions thoughts on that dan
2: yeah we actually have a really awesome commercial coming up for the campaign in the next week or two that's got lots of explosions in it oh well good well Rod, so-
1: be sure to check that out uh, Karen says, Rod Weber, we need to go fund me your bail expenses. I think he might explode the GoFundMe, So I don't know how much that'll help, but yeah. Anyone who wants to see explosions, the, the, the campaign, I'm actually looking forward to that now. Cause I, I'm looking forward to seeing what you're yeah. talking about there.
2: Um, it's going to be awesome.
1: Yeah, no, I, I can imagine. So I, I wanted to ask this, we talked about this briefly. Uh, I think when we were going back from the debate to the, back to the after party or whatever. Um, some of the stuff you talked about, um, uh specifically about taxation and the IRS would you mind delving into that a bit cuz i i i had heard that sure. before but i i had only heard about it from sovereign citizens who then talked about how my social security number was like a a debt and that and then they were gonna for the low, low price of whatever they were gonna sell me a kit on how to be able to claim people's homes and stuff like that. And I just, they sort of lost me. Right. Um. So so without all of that, uh, Explain right. explain the 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 part about what you were saying with taxation and whether the average American is even legally subject to the IRS in the first
2: place. So I'll, I'll try to break this down as simple as I can. It's really difficult because as much as I've been trying to understand it for the past. Like ten or fifteen years, it's taken me that long to really understand it. Okay. Um, there's there. Uh, uh, let me start with this. There's a couple really great books out there. One is called Shattering the Myths uh, by Dave Champion, and another one is called um, uh, de- uh, sh- What is It? Uh, Cracking the Code um, okay. by um, I can't remember the name. Look for Cracking the Code. Uh, that one's actually out of print, but you can find them on Amazon um, for. Uh, they're they're not super cheap, but um, they're both really great books. They're they're I would say most you know combined ninety percent accuracy. Some people have pointed out some some little issues here and there. Um, but here's the here's the main idea. Um, before the nineteen hundreds, uh, there was an income tax that was instituted. Twice, the Supreme Court ruled that an income tax was unconstitutional. Okay, um, so. Then a lot of people will say, yeah, but then they came up with the 16th Amendment, which says they can tax income. Well, right, it says a lot right. of things in there. It says they can tax income uh, without apportionment. Um, and that was one of the reasons that the income tax before was ruled unconstitutional was because it was a direct tax and it was not apportioned. And it says direct taxes have to be apportioned. Now, I for some reason, when I read the Constitution and it says the government is allowed to tax the states, to me, that says that they're going to tax the states and it says that has to be a portion based on their population that means a state that has a bigger population is going to pay a bigger tax but that doesn't say that they can tax the people directly because then it's not a portion then it's the same amount per person right right right
1: it's like a head tax
2: yeah so um anyways so the 16th amendment if you read it and what the what the courts have said in in you know in people trying to say it's unconstitutional is that The 16th Amendment gave Congress no new taxing power. And the reason is because the income tax as it exists is an excise tax. And excise taxes don't need to be apportioned, they just need to be taxed on privileged exercise, like exercise of a privilege, right? Now, here's the thing Supreme Courts have always said your property is your property, your money is your property. You have an inalienable right to contract your property for other people's property, your labor for other people's property. Your property is labor. Or sorry, your labor is property. Right. All, all of these things the Supreme Court agrees with. So how is it that if I work for you and you give me money that they can tax it? Um, and because that's not a privilege, right? That's not a privileged Thing that we're exercising. And the Supreme Court also says that a right cannot be converted into a privilege just to be taxed, which means this is a right that we have. You can't change that and say it's a privilege now. Um, And so what they did is they said, okay, well, we're going to tax privileged exchanges of money. And to understand what that means, well, if you're doing business with the government, that's privileged, right? Because like, I can do business with you, and it's your right and my right to decide whether or not we want to do this. But if you want to do business with the government, that's the government's right to decide. And the government can say, well, we don't want to do business with you, or we'll do business with you only if you pay a tax. Right, right. right. So, so that you know, it's kind of like if I do business with you, you can say, well, um, you can only do business with me if you pay a tax to my employer or something which is really kind of how things work right your profit goes there and everything else right right so so basically that's what the that's how the income tax is built and that's how it reads and you start reading through these codes and you understand when they say employee and this is where it gets really screwed up because you don't have the definitions to go by when you're filling out your your 1040 form right 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 right. it says are you a u.s citizen well apparently most people aren't because a citizen is a privileged position this is where it gets really interesting because there's a difference between citizen and a national and they have very similar definitions, but in the context of filing your tax form, you are not a citizen, you are a national. And that doesn't mean you can't have a US passport. Actually, as a matter of fact, I don't have my passport right here. In your passport, it doesn't say you're a citizen of the United States, it says you're a national of the United States. Okay. Which is like, that's interesting, right? Right, right, right. So we have right. this idea about citizenship, and it's like, why? Where did we learn that from? Really? Public school? Um and so yeah. all of these definitions much, are like yeah. so like like defined by other words which are defined by other words. And so you have an employee. An employee is somebody who works for an employer. Well, duh, obviously. An employer is defined as the government, state government, local government, national government, federal government, whatever. Um, those sorts of things. Um so if if you're like you hear employee and you're like, Oh yeah, that's me. I'm an employee. Well, right. why do you think someone. you're an employee? Right um but if you understand the definitions it's like oh that's that's not right um and so we we're we're tricked into the system because any job you go for they make you fill out a w4 form right mhm and i have tried this before i said you know hey i'm i'm not a um uh, a us person which it asks if you're a us person why doesn't it say are you a us citizen why does it say us person why is that what's the difference here right um and, and it asks all these really confusing questions with confusing language, where if you don't think about it, you're just like, yeah, okay. I guess yeah. I'm a me. person And think in, yeah. about it. It's right. like, what, why, why are they using these funny words? And if you try to not fill that out, well, your employer's more scared of the IRS than they are of you who technically doesn't work for them yet. Right. So they're going to go by the IRS lead. Now, how do we get to this system? Apparently um, when, the, when the income tax was passed 1913, they basically said, okay, yeah, we're going to tax, and you can you can go back and look how many people were paying the income tax in 1913, 1914, 1920. Not a whole lot. Right. World War Two came along and the government was like, oh, we need we need we need uh, was It was guns yeah. and butter. Right. Right. We need right. we need everything. Right. So the government started investing in the the you know, the production of tanks and bombs and guns and and cars and everything like everything else. Right. We need to boom our economy. We need all this stuff. And so that was federal money. So now all the companies that were receiving that federal money now had to give those forms to their employees. And everybody was up with this because they were like, oh yeah, we're, we're going to war. We're, we're attacked. We're being attacked by other countries. We have to kill the Nazis. Yeah, right, right. right. Yeah. 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 So, um, so, so we got into this habit of filling out this form. And then a few years later when the war is over, we're still in that habit and the government's like, yeah, just keep filling it out. And so we did. And, 60 years later, pretty much everybody who's paying taxes now has been born into that system. And we're just like, well, that's the way it always has been. What do you mean this is a lie? What do you mean this is a scam? It doesn't make any sense. My parents have always paid taxes. Um, and so, like, we've been we've been bamboozled um, into this system. And so, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, so, well, so I don't want to pay. And that's the first place everybody jumps to. And I don't want to tell everybody, you know, to do that because it is a really complicated system. And... If you do something a little bit wrong, the IRS is prepared to just rain terror down on Destroy you. Destroy your life, um, right, right.
1: Yeah, and just to be clear, just let me stop you, just to be clear, on both my show and Dan's show, because this is both of our show at the same time, uh, uh, we here at Muddy Waters Media and at Dan is Theft Enterprises, or whatever it's his called, uh, uh, are, would ne- are not advocating for you, or at least I'm not, advocating for you to ever break the law, because breaking the law is illegal and illegal things are against the law and we don't we don't advocate for that. But so so right. Yeah. So so but so there are people who are like of uh, like uh successfully fighting this and saying I don't pay taxes yep. and they're winning in court.
2: Yep. Well that's that's the trick, right? Um so a lot of people say, Well, I haven't found a single court case where somebody's somebody's won. Um and it's very rare. But uh, I'll, I'll tell you this, Joe Bannister, who's an who's a an ex employee of the IRS. Um, he's he he was a special investigator. Uh, he was very high up there. He heard about this in the in the 90s, I believe, and he he approached his employer, and his employer said, "Keep your mouth shut or quit." So he quit, and um, he went on to spread this information. He's been sued, I don't know, a dozen times by the IRS, and he's beaten most of them. So so yes, there are people successfully doing this the thing with the court cases is i'll use the I'll, let me let me do this um i'll use the traffic courts right okay you will not find a single case of a person going into a traffic court and winning because they said they don't want to pay the ticket and they're just not going to pay it right you'll never you'll never find that it's not in a court but i can tell you personally i haven't had a driver's license in 12 or so years and I have not I've received traffic tickets and parking tickets and I've not paid a single one of them but there's no uh court record of any of it why? because it never made it to court. And so the thing with the IRS is if you never make to court, there's no court record saying you won. And they don't take court cases to court that, you know, because here's the thing. Let's say just let's say you don't believe me, right? But just go with me here. Right. Let's say there is some big conspiracy. Right? Hypothetically, this is just a big conspiracy. Mm -hmm. If the IRS wanted to make sure that people didn't find out about this lie, wouldn't they just say, oh, that guy knows about the lie. Let's not take him to court because he could expose it on record in court. Let's skip that guy and let's go to the guy who's just pissed off and just doesn't want to pay. Let's Let's make it.
1: okay. so let's make examples out of the people that aren't doing it right and are just going, I'm not paying that. And then they get screwed up in court as opposed to people that successfully argue or would be able to successfully argue in court that they're not a U.S. citizen or U.S. person or whatever, and that they there's no need for them to have to pay any of this.
2: Right. And that's actually one of the flaws right there. Just saying you're not a U.S. person, or, like that doesn't even work. They consider that a frivol- frivolous argument. And one of the reasons is because they have the paperwork that you already signed that basically says you are. So it's it, it is really tricky. And it's you know, it's not like you can like, I mean, they have all these frivolous arguments that don't work. Um, you know, saying my, my income is not taxable or, or, you know, all these things. Um, and so, so it is a tricky system. Um, but what, what I do want to say is knowing people that have done this and on the path to, and here's another thing I do want to tell people, um, my success story with it, but I'm not at the end of it yet. Okay. Um, so, so hopefully sometime next year I'll have a great story for you. Um, but The idea um, is, you know, when NASA first shot people into space, right, Mm -hmm. how many people died on exploding rockets? Because, they, you know, they they thought they had all these engineers, these brilliant people who were going to shoot a rocket up into space and they were going to get these people up there. Um, And people died. Right. What happened? And now there's a space station with people on it, unless you believe in, you know, the conspiracy that none of that exists. Um, There's people in space and but it's like the laws of physics didn't change they didn't repeal the the rocket exploding act of <laughs> 1973 right? right so but what changed they got smarter on their approach they learned to understand the laws of physics better and the the machines that they were creating and so in the same way the tax protester movement has come across that that same um, journey like there are there are many people who have gone to jail trying to fight this and figuring out all the right ways to fight it right and you know some of them Erwin uh, Schiff was a big one and you know a lot of a lot of information that he had was wrong but at the time he was the pioneer he was on the front line learning everything because you know you have to go back 1913 they didn't have the internet they didn't have computers where you could like search through a hundred thousand pages of tax code and find out well what is the definition of this mean right exactly. Um, Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, technology has helped us uh, along this journey and it's, it's, um, we're, we're smarter now. Right. Now let's be clear. The rocket Explody
1: act of 1973 was terrible legislation. And I think we can all thank God that that's gone. Um, Yeah. But so now you threw out a lot of names there uh, in a lot of different uh, uh, books and things. Let's just go over those again. If people wanted to hear more about this, about, not just that taxation is theft, but that it's actually illegal and that they could potentially fight it. If they choose, we're not advocating one way or the other. We're just saying they could choose. What would be some names and books and so forth that they should Google to,
2: to find out more about that? Okay, so there's, there's two books. Um, well, let me give you three books. Okay. Um, I'll start with the most recent and probably the most accurate. Um, and that would be um shattering the myths by um dave champion okay the second will be cracking the code Mm -hmm. by peter hendrickson okay and the third and this one's definitely outdated but it's really a classical like if you can get your hands on it get it because it's probably going to be worth a million dollars one day okay erwin shifts the federal mafia
1: very good. So those would be the three that you would that you would start on. Yeah. Very cool. So we have a, a couple uh, questioner comment, a couple follower comments. One asked a question that I was already going to ask you, so I'll ask that later. Um, but uh, Bass over on YouTube asked, "Can a libertarian government protect its people and sovereignty from foreign influence? Uh, would the military have to set up a GoFundMe?" I'm not sure if he means foreign influences in like an invasion, but let's assume that. So, you know, how, how would, for example, uh, I guess, national defense, for lack of a better word, be set up in a, in a voluntary payment
2: system? Right. So th- this is something that we have to rethink. And like, yes. um, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of an example, um, you know, going to going back and forth between the US and Mexico, I see things done completely different. I see things done in ways that I never would have imagined in the United States. Um, and and that's just because we're in the United States. We th- we see things done a certain way. That's the only way we know. But when we take our heads out of that, that bubble that we're in, right. we can see things being done in a completely different ways. So now the question is, how do we get a military? Um, do we do GoFundMe? Well, that still depends on the belief that, we're still going to have some central government, some central authority that all of the soldiers are going to work directly underneath. You're going to have your your generals, your four star generals, three star generals, all the way down to you know your your officers. That all of the and soldiers going are to going to structure. work directly underneath. You're going to have your your general. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. I I thought I heard myself talking to myself. You did. Like, you did. And the shrooms kicked in. Yeah. The- <laughs> The ketamine has kicked it. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Um, so so that's under that same belief. Right. And it really doesn't have to be that way. And, the, and then the question is, okay, well, how do you get the money to the top so it can trickle down to all, all of the employees? That's not really how it would work. And if you look at how, um, I mean, how, how did it work before? Um, and read the constitution. It talks about a volunteer militia. It says well-regulated, which a lot of people think means the government needs to control every aspect of it, but that's, that's not even what regulated means or meant back then. Right. Um, but you have this idea of, of a volunteer militia and what's really important about that and understanding what that is. And I mean, look at, look at Switzerland, right? That's kind of an example where it has worked. And there are many other countries where, where that has worked. The idea of this is if you are, as an individual, part of a militia that is completely volunteer, you're not there following orders. So if somebody wants to invade the United States, you get together and say, hey, we're, we're going to make sure that doesn't happen. That's why Japan never invaded during, you know, they never attacked mainland um, United States because they said there would be a gun behind every blade of every blade of grass. Correct. Right. Right. Um, and, you know, so. That's a legitimate fear for anybody trying to invade. But of course, if we take our guns away, then we don't have that. That is, that is a legitimate defense system. And it doesn't require doing a GoFundMe or anything. It just requires that everybody be armed to protect themselves, whether it's from their neighbor or from an invasion. And when that happens... You And and what's what's really great about this is this prevents the situations where you have like what we have now, where you've got this military that's just like, well, who are we going to bomb today? We got all these planes and everything sitting around. We right. can't just let them sit there and rest. We got to go drop some bombs. Yep. Yeah. That doesn't happen with a volunteer militia. Right. So I, I think there's a there's a lot of benefits. Now, how would every single little aspect of everything work out? I don't know. I can't tell you, but that's that's the concept of of freedom, which is you know, we're we're not trying to predict the future and say, this is the way it must be. Let's make it happen because that always fails. What it does is it says, it says, look, we understand that there are credible th- threats around the world. Let's figure out how to deal with them. And the best ideas will rise to the top. And the, the the people who are willing to defend this country will stand up and defend this country.
1: Right. And I mean, so to me, and I agree with what you just said. To me, the the question of, you know, without you know, taxation or without government who would defend us from foreign invasion is in, in some ways it's sort of like asking who's going to protect Amazon from Macy's. Like if, if a, if a, or who's going to protect, you know, Uber from, you know, a guy on a rickshaw or something like that. Like if, if the people in the, what used to be the most powerful government on earth uh, the people that live where that used to be have demonstrated that you know they're not going to tolerate even domestic governance what foreign body would want to try to invade them and stop that and an even bigger question is if we've demonstrated that in what used to be the largest and most powerful government on earth that we don't need it and that freedom and 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 a, and whether it's anarchy or a voluntary based government or whatever that freedom and liberty actually works what is going to protect all of those old statist governments from their own citizens demanding the same thing and hiring, you know, liberation firms from the, you know, the former US to, you know, liberate them from their statist oppressors. So I I I I think I think if you're when you're talking about that big of a paradigm shift, the questions completely change and I think you start to start it off by saying we need to be thinking about this completely differently because the idea of well, who's who's going to stop China from invading us would be more like who's going to stop the Chinese government from being trampled by the 1.4 billion people that they're enslaving when they can see that it, they don't actually need government or don't right. need an oppressive, uh, taxing government uh, to, to 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 have a society. Dan, who's more Jewish between you or me? Would you say it, it's probably going to be you? I'm
2: I'm really bad at it. Are you a bad Jew? Yeah, that's not like a kippa to you. It's it, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I'm definitely not eating kosher. Um, no, but you do have a giant what we could call a kippa on your head. Oh yeah. Well, you know what? Okay, that's um. <laughs> sorry, you you threw me off there because I I pronounce it kippah. Oh, sorry. Or kippah, but because you're yeah, because you
1: might be more Jewish than me.
2: Oh. Really? Okay. Well, so, yeah, I was thinking this the other day, um, you know, because, uh, uh, you know, there's this issue with the hat that a lot of libertarians don't like it. And I'm like, hey, you know, this this really could be considered religious headwear. Um, and oh, what's interesting God. is I so I used to work for the Kabbalah Center um, oh, wow. as, a, as a video editor. And so I got to, like, sit through a lot of their classes and um, and edit them. And it was actually really interesting because they gave me the story of the kippah, which is and now now there's they're not necessarily jewish and their interpretation is is slightly different in some aspects i think so but this is their interpretation right that you know we are we are beings of energy and we receive light from the sun right or or from the creator however you want to interpret that and that comes down and that was supposed to be a basically a receptor of this light so that we could become you know lit beings. Um and that that this idea is like now we're going to share the light with other people, we're going to be good people, we're going to we're going to be good to others, we're going to solve the world's problems. I, I I probably added that last part. Um but you know in that way, like solve the world's problems but like in our communities. We're we're right. going to help people out and and be good people. And I just have this huge satellite dish basically receiving lots of extra light because I'm trying to change a much bigger world and solve much bigger problems that could be argued that
1: you it should be argued so if i had had the time to think of that or if you had mentioned it beforehand when for example the south carolina libertarian party which would not do that now by the way under the new leadership they would not have given you a hard time about the hat but under the previous regime uh when they told you that you could that there was no what a novelty headwear i think they called it I would have loved for either you or Vermin Supreme or both of you to argue that this was religious headwear and that and you as a Jew. I mean, you could have said, "This is a yarmulke. Prove me wrong. Prove me prove that this is right. not a yarmulke. and now, you know, face the backlash in the front lash of the of the Jewish
2: community being told that they can't can't wear
1: religious headwear." I would have actually hey, loved that.
2: I mean, I I've got a friend who's got his photo uh with a colander on his head on his driver's license. Oh, is he apostapharian? Yeah. Nice. And yeah. he's and it's actually and it has actually as a matter of fact, he has a little piece of tape uh like uh like masking tape with taxationist theft written on it. So um yeah. That's actually really cool. So
1: speaking of the debate in the convention, uh, you were, of course, at the South Carolina, Carolina Libertarian Party debate. How angry were you that the microscopic drone that the government has
2: following Adam Kokesh kept messing up the microphones? I mean, technically, it was a good thing for me, but... Um, <laughs> Gave you time it, to... Yeah, no, you know, really, like, you know, I, I I like Adam. I like a lot of the other candidates We're we're you know as much as you see these other debates between Republicans or Democrats and they're all like, you know, trying to call each other liars and frauds and everything. Well, we're not liars and frauds, which might be one of the reasons we're not calling each other out on it, but we're actually, I think, you know, we're willing to work together um, to achieve the goal that we need to get more people into the libertarian party. And I think that's what's really great about what we're doing as much crap as everybody talks about us for my hat, vermin's hat, um, you know everybody's like history of saying abrasive things on the internet and and you know whatever whatever they have to throw at us right we make a great team and what i'd like to see is once i get the nomination is i would like to have a lot of those people on my team to help me keep pushing the campaign forward because it's i mean i've always hated this you know you go into like the the texas gubernatorial race um uh in 20 what was that 2018 or 2016 yeah, um, we had some really great candidates. I think it was 2018. And I'm like, I can't pick just one. Why can't they run as a team? Why can't they work together? And I, I think that could happen with some of the candidates that we have uh, today in the in the Libertarian POTUS race.
1: Well, and even, I mean, with very minor, uh, uh, I guess, what's um, uh, the word I'm looking for, exceptions, most of the candidates are very nice to each other and very complimentary to each other. I mean, e- even when there's disagreement, it's on the actual policy as opposed to like, you're a bad person or you're a, you know, a, a liar right. or you, you know, hate America or whatever. Like it's, it's very, even, even, the, even in, in the cases of like, for example, you versus say a, a, a Ken Armstrong, even though there's vast differences in, 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 in policy there, um, you both seem to at least want to move in the same direction maybe not as far but you want to go in the same direction at least for now and you're also complementary towards each other and understanding that you're on the same team so that's been that's been really cool and kind of refreshing from for example the republican or democrat debates where there's almost no difference between them and they argue with each other like you know it's me or all these other terrible scumbags who are the worst possible choice for america but also if they win i'm going to immediately endorse them right yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So uh, this is as good a time as any for me to do my, my, little, my little shill that I have to do. Hey, gang, are you thinking of starting a podcast? Well, I hope to hell you are, because Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you the tools you need in one place for free, which you can use right from your phone or computer. Why? They even have creation tools, you see, that allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. Uh, they'll distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can easily make money from your podcast, get this, guys, with no minimum listenership. Now, I know what you're thinking, friends. No minimum listenership? Great day in the morning. Well, you'll have a great day in the morning, too. If you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started, be sure to check us out on anchor.fm slash Media. I think. Actually, I think it's anchor.fm slash Muddy Waters. Just go to anchor.fm and look for Muddy Waters. We're there. Um, but she be sure to do that. Now, Dan, I up until now, I've been nice. But now it gets ugly. Hit me with the hard ones. Oh, yeah, no. It's going to get ugly now. I'm actually going to shift into an ugly stance. Um, Dan, I'm going to be frank with you. One of your campaign promises is to legalize pineapple pizza legalization of course means taxation and regulation did you really mean decriminalize pineapple pizza or do you really want my 85 year old grandmother to be arrested and put in a cage for letting her pineapple pizza license expire
2: well i mean that is a tough call we really can't have anybody with expired pineapple pizza licenses um no absolutely this is this is uh you know anything should be decriminalized it okay. should be removed from the uh dea's list of schedule one narcotics <laughs> um it's uh yeah it's it, i mean it's it's really what's interesting about that platform is um i started it kind of as a joke and then i found out that the uh king of iceland excuse me prime minister of iceland yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. wanted to ban it oh so you did uh, that before that yeah just oh because I I love pineapple pizza. I'm a I'm I'm a, a bit of a junkie sorry connoisseur. And uh connoisseur. yeah, so so that was my thing and I saw like, you know, people fighting over it, but I also thought it was a great um analogy for the drug war. Right. Nobody has the right to tell you what you can or can't put in your own body. And I may not agree with what you put on your pizza, but I will defend to the death your right to eat it. So that was actually I assumed
1: that you did that as sort of a like a counterpoint or or leveraging off of that whole argument that was started by and I think you're I think it was the prime minister of Iceland some some politician in Iceland right who said that you know jokingly that pineapple pizza maybe it wasn't jokingly um, they tend to ban stuff over there um, he said
2: it was jokingly in his apology
1: so I don't know well maybe maybe there was just too much backlash on it but jokingly or not he said that that pineapple pizza should be banned. I assume that you started that on that, but you actually did that before all of that. Right.
2: Sort of using And that. it was also before the Department of Homeland Security put out the uh, press release saying the Russians are going to invade our social media and get us to fight over whether or not pineapple belongs on pizza. They really said that? They really said that. If you go to legalizedpineapplepizza.org, I didn't give you that one for your show notes. Oh, we we'll put that in me the about show the question. Notes. That's your fault. Legalizedpineapplepizza.org, um, and scroll down, you can actually get a link to the actual document that the Department of Homeland Security put out uh, saying that the the beware of Russian pineapple pizza. I'm putting this in the show. Legalize pineapple dot org. Right. Yeah. OK,
1: so they literally wasted taxpayer money to tell people that the Russians were going to have them arguing. I wonder, do you think the Russians started the whole uh, Popeye's versus Chick-fil-A thing? Because that feels very Russian.
2: I, uh, well, I guess I was rushing to get mine. <laughs> Hold on. I got one here. Say it again. Uh, well, I was rushing to get mine. <laughs> ah, there you go. Huh? So uh, that's good. <laughs> so I wanted to ask
1: you about, I noticed, so you are involved with the Students for Liberty of Uganda. Um, and I, it's interesting because I had just spoken with, uh, I don't know if you know, uh, Mike uh, Avi, who works in, uh, in the, the uh, college recruitment for Students for Liberty, and he was talking about uh, their, their presence in Uganda uh, specifically and in other places in Africa. Some of us may know about their anti-LGBT, anti-gay laws, but I think very few of us really understand the state of how bad things are there from many perspectives, but especially from the, the you know, freedom of expression and, and liberty perspective perspective. Tell us about that and, and also tell us about
2: how you're helping uh, them over there with with SFL Uganda so um, that was that was interesting because there was while I was there somebody asked the question I'm trying to remember what word they used they were they were talking about gay people mm-hmm. and they what did they call it? stubborn they called them stubborn right because that's like that's like the euphemism. For that, right? So, what do we do with all these with all these stubborn people if we don't have government? Um, and, and that was really interesting to see. But I, in in the room that I was in, there really weren't a whole lot of people who were concerned about that. There was there were a lot of people who were um, very concerned with freedom, very anti tax. Um, some people were, you know, kind of on the fence, but I don't think there were really any of those uh, um, abrasive type people. Now. There, there was a there was a video that I saw I don't remember was somewhere around Africa um, which I know is a huge continent but it was and I think it was like on a tosh 2.0 show where they were talking about how bad gay people are right. and what they like to do um, and uh, I'm not gonna get into it but it was it was like it was pretty gross but it was propaganda right and and I'm like watching that. You can look it up. I don't know if it's no. If it's I've, safe I know for you, what you're so. talking
1: about, where he's like graphically describing with like kids present, like all these terrible things that like pretty much no one does. Like yeah, maybe one percent of that. Probably no. That. It was like, like it was like they they eat the poo poo. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah they eat the poo poo. Like no one's doing it that. Was like, yeah.
2: I, and uh, yeah, and but and, and there is that, and but it's like fear fear mongering and propaganda and it's and i'm sure you know I'm, I'm sure he didn't actually see somebody do that no. he probably heard it from somebody else like kids on a playground right and they start spreading rumors and and how terrible people are and and you know i mean I, if, if that's what they're doing anyway i mean the worst you should do is is stand a few feet back so you don't smell their breath but um it, yeah like it, who who really cares and i think like in that group there um you know they're they're doing really great work and they're they're there's so many organizations. It's, it's really hard to identify who's where, but I mean, they're spreading all across the African continent. Um, just at the, at the event that I went to, um, there were people from, um, from Nigeria and Congo and, um, you know, all, all kinds of other, um, uh, countries around there. I was, I, I kind of want to say Somalia, but I don't think I met anybody from Somalia. I was looking for somebody from Somalia. So I could, uh, I want to go and visit. Well, I've I've been there. All the
1: real libertarians already live in Somalia, so that's probably why they don't need it because it's
2: already perfect liberty there. I'm told, right? And I I actually read this uh, this uh, book in defense of chaos, um, which had some really interesting points about um, Somalia, and basically said once the government was gone, that like, yeah, the I mean, the country's still kind of you know not the greatest place to live, but since the government left. Like, everything has gotten so much better. They oh, have, like, they, they have like a dozen airlines that are running flights out of that country. Like, two other countries that, like, couldn't exist before because of government regulation. There's competition. There's infrastructure. There's high-speed cell phones. Like, all this crazy stuff's popping up. Um, and I, I went on uh, Google Maps just to, like, because they've got, like, every hotel in the world on there. Yep. And I started looking at hotels around there. It's some pretty nice places. So, and roads. And roads.
1: Somehow miracle of miracles they were able to 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 work that out so you might you know legalize poo poo pizza could actually be your next could be your next thing that could be like a pro lgbt probably not um so uh we got some more comments um jacob labelle one of our top super fan jacob labelle uh is not happy uh pineapple pizza is a crime against humanity i was going to vote for him kim ruff it is then so he does love ugandans though so that's good Tom Arnold is glad to see that I've gotten out of bed. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> he also says Idi Amin was fabulous, which, sure. I I mean, I guess sort of, he's kind of like the African dictator version of Liberace.
2: Right. Right? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, look, here's, like, you know, they've got their history out there. And it's really interesting to see that, you know, you go to a country where, a lot of people are starving and really don't have much to live on. Right. And, you know, we were at this university and you could literally look out into the hills and there is just like miles and miles and miles of land yep. with lots of green grass, which means is getting plenty of rainfall. Why aren't people out there homesteading, collecting rainwater and doing all this other stuff? Well, because that's government protected land, I can assure you. Right. Um. It's, it's you know, government is the reason people are poor people are starved people are homeless it's always government there's like there's there's so many ways that we can survive um on natural resources but they have taken that away from us and said oh no it's it's only for the people that are going to give me riches and make me live like a king as your ruler right so yeah it's yeah
1: yeah no exactly um now of course we did a red carpet interview together um was
2: i as impressive in person as i am right now um, I don't know how to answer that question because if I say, if I say
1: you well, lose either way, no, you lose, you
2: equally. lose. Okay. Equally. You, yes. Equally impressive. You know there
1: that also makes you lose. You lose either way. But so just be honest because you're going to lose. You've already lost what right now
2: you're like, this is better. Or like when I was. So, what yeah, guys, see, that's what, why I didn't want to answer. So, because no, either, I'd either have to say you were worse in person or worse on the internet. And oh, so happens. I lose either way, yes. Yeah, so okay, so that's I, even no. better. But, if,
1: so but guys, if I say equal, it's all good, right? I guess so. So, guys, when, when I say red carpet interview, we were on a uh, it was actually a 34 by 26 uh square of uh kitchen mat, uh, but it was red and we were really about, close. Yeah, it was big. about that big. Yeah, and we were we were touching toes it was intense it was really nice i really enjoyed that now your hat i've had so i always ask my followers you know before i have someone on to ask you know me questions for my guest and i'll i'll answer half of them were various variations of what's up with your hat tell us the story about your hat why do you wear the hat why does it say taxation is theft as opposed to, I guess, something else. We've talked about it being a potential religious uh, uh, thing, but how did the hat come about? And uh, Tell us the story about the hat. I I could write a book on that.
2: Okay. Um, Maybe I should. You should. Me, libertarianism, and my hat. I hat. I hat. There we go. (laughs) Um, So, let's see. The story behind it. Okay. Um, I had gone through my evolutionary history of Democrat, Republican, Ron Paul, Tea Party, everything yes. else. Not yes. happy. Came to the Libertarians. Gary Johnson, our savior. Yes. Uh, 2012, I supported him and voted for him. 2016 came along. I was working on the John McAfee campaign, but I still decided no matter who wins, I will support them out of these candidates because I liked all those candidates. Um, I don't think there was anybody I didn't like in 2016. If there was, I forgot about him. Um, Gary Johnson, I met him several times along the campaign trail. He came to Texas. I saw him in, in, um, Orlando and I'd met him a couple times before and I was like, okay, this guy's cool. I like him. Right. Um, but I had this impression that he wasn't really all taxation is theft, which was one of the reasons I came to the libertarian party because I had my fights with the IRS before. Right, um, and I knew that that was theft, and I saw the damage they'd done. They made people homeless. They destroyed lives. They destroyed businesses. Oh yeah, yep. I hated the IRS. Mm-hmm. Taxation was theft. Yep, he didn't believe that. He wanted the fair tax. Now I was like, okay, maybe I can't figure out a better um, solution than that at this point. This is back in 2016. If if that's all he's got, uh, okay, I'm not okay with it, but I'll still support him because he's better than Democrats or Republicans. And so he got he got the nomination. He went up on stage. He made his victory speech. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And taxation is theft. And I was like, at that moment, just crushed. Because one, McAfee lost. And that was a campaign I was working on. Right. But also, now he's pandering. Yeah. Because he did not believe that taxation is theft. Like, if he would have said, taxation is theft sometimes that would have been okay right like that wouldn't have like just came out as like oh he's he's a panderer he's a liar whatever so i was like i can't i can't support this guy and i was just in this zone i was i I was mad i was depressed i was angry i don't know i was going around i was going around the entire convention is taxation theft is taxation theft everybody i was asking and Half the people, it was really about 50-50 split. Half the people said, yes, taxation is theft. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. High five. Right. Right. And then the other half, I shit you not, I don't know what club they go to where they learn to talk the same. Is taxation theft? Well, it always started out like that. I don't know why. That was so weird. It's the weirdest thing. Right. And then they gave some excuse. Well, Well, most of the times it is, but not always. And, you know, things like this. And I was like, half of the Libertarian Party – Did I say libertarian, libertarian party? Well, maybe they're the libertarians. Maybe they went to the wrong
1: convention. They were waiting (laughs) for the liver to come out. And then instead there's some, some guy,
2: some tall guy coming up to him is taxation. I I don't know. Where's the liver? Right. Yeah. Nobody likes liver. So that would make sense. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, so I was like, something needs to be done about this. Right. And so the next convention came around 2018 in New Orleans and I, I, at this point I already had my taxationist taxation is theft store up online selling merch and started doing the podcast or some other kind of like promotional videos. And I got a table. I rented a table from, from the convention and everything taxation is theft. I had yard signs, t-shirts. I had a wall of like handwritten notes that people could come up and, and write people's names. And it was like, the caption was like, these people's lives have been destroyed by the government. Right. And it was like a wall of just like, you know, all, all these people, uh, some famous, some not, some some had family members who, you know, just had everything taken from them, assaulted by the police, sitting in prison for unjust reasons.
1: Yeah, yeah. Anyways,
2: all kinds of tax- is theft, everything. We had an eight by 10 foot backdrop. We had a yellow carpet. It was like a ten foot long roll of yellow carpet for photos, um, and uh, and I was like, I need to really top this off with something. What can I do? So I found the biggest, yellowest, brightest hat I could find. Okay, and I stuck a big yellow taxation theft sticker on it. Actually, nice. two of them at the convention, but uh, it's just it's just so hard to to, to keep uh, this thing maintained. Um, no, I can tell.
1: I mean, there's it's. That was one of the first things I thought was I'm like, okay, so this isn't just a hat. Like it's, it's massive. And, and guys, so, and this was a, so I, I wish I had the video. It looks of bigger our, in person, right? It is way bigger because you're tall. So I assume I'm looking at your pictures and you always are, you have it where, like how you have it right now, where you can actually see it, where you can see the entire hat. And so that makes you look short. Right. And that makes you look shorter. So then I meet you and you're like, what, like six, one, six, two, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. and then, the, and then the hat. And so, you know, there's like seven feet. So, I mean, it's a, it is a gigantic. He's a large man. This hat is huge. So, like, there's special care. Is that a carry on? Like, how how do you transport with that?
2: It's you know I break the airline rules all the time when I do travel with a carry on and my personal item, which is my backpack. This is my second personal item. Oh, get okay. Away with it. You um, just carry it, but. Yeah, I carry it. Sometimes I fit it in a bag. Um, I, I have a bag that it fits, and, like, I just fold these up on the side, and then, like, I put, like, you know, stuff inside, outside, whatever, to protect it. But, right. Um, and sometimes I just wear it. Actually, I have a video of me wearing it going through the, um, uh, the boarding process because that disturbed me, and I was like, oh, I got my body cam. I'm at this place again. Yeah. I got to record this. There's this process they have at the airports where you don't show them your ticket anymore. You look into a camera, and it recognizes you. And I have no idea what database they're using. Because, that's scary. Yeah, because uh, uh, I'll just say Delta, because I don't know if, if that's their thing or, or you know, if other lines. I haven't seen another airline use it, but I don't know where Delta got my picture to match it. Right. Where did they even get a good enough picture of you for biometric purposes? Because that's not a regular picture. Yeah. And when I, I was wearing the hat when I took the picture. So on top of that, it's 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 creepy. So unless you're wearing that hat,
1: uh NSA is not gonna be able to yeah, find it. Yeah, if I take you. it off,
2: they're like, we don't know who this guy like, is. Who
1: the hell is this? He doesn't have a massive yellow mass on the top of his head. That is fine. So when we did the interview, I asked about your hat. And you told me that it was made in a place out of material. a, few, a lot of my followers saw the, the the interview and they they messaged me asking if you could maybe give a little more detail. About if someone wanted to get that hat, if it's available,
2: and if so, where and how made in America, okay, that's really just all we're saying. and I believe it's camel hair. really? I believe so. okay. I don't know if they had to kill a camel or if it's like some like synthetic, I really don't know. or if there's some poor camel with
1: like that hat shaped missing from his side, like the right. They had to shave from well, it's probably grown back now. So that's not something you ever plan on like having a, a replica that you sell or anything online or anything like that?
2: No. I mean, honestly, it's I, I think the price point is a little bit too expensive for I would imagine. you know. Yeah. It's I mean, hey, I don't want to brag or anything, but I got I got the, the finest quality you can find in a hat. Yeah, no, you got some and, drip. Um, that's some serious drip there. Yeah. And and the, you know, but the one that you're wearing is like that's kind of our That's the one that we want to get like millions of people wearing um, because it is, you know, it is something that's like within reason that we can get, you know, mass produced in a sweatshop somewhere. Um, And, you know, not to say that you're a lower class of person. No, but but it's affordable.
1: You You can afford it. That's the word I'm looking for. you I You know, it's affordable. You know, we can afford it. It's helping some, you know, Vietnamese family, some poor, you know, Malaysian kids got a job finally, like it's, it's helping everyone. So it's a, it's a good thing. Yeah. I would say, especially if that's camel hair, that's probably quite a price point. Uh, how uh, many camels must we kill before people know that taxation is theft? We won't rest. We'll kill every damn camel on this planet (laughs) until you people recognize that taxation is theft. Um, so do you remember our conversation about ducks?
2: I can neither confirm nor deny the allegations. Okay.
1: If you do, how much did that change your life?
2: Well, it definitely changed my Google history the next day.
1: <laughs> Something I won't repeat online. All I want to say, guys, is that taxation is theft and duck mating is rape. And if you if you Google... Maybe don't Google it. Go on DuckDuckGo. Ironically, go on DuckDuckGo and duck... And I guess search for duck rape. And uh, it's not
2: pretty. And afterwards, you can follow it up with something a little bit more libertarian like uh, whale rape. Like whale rape. Uh, uh, And
1: speaking of which, I have uh, John uh, McAfee is going to be on. Well, we don't have an exact confirmed date, but in uh, about two weeks, he's going to be on. And... uh, Give him my regards. I will do it because you you were on his team, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I will. I will definitely. Uh, I will bring you up. Uh, he could afford that hat. He's someone who could afford that hat. Um, he could. So we've got some uh, uh, follower questions. Um, the first one is: uh, What would the first hundred days of a Berman administration look like?
2: Um. So the very first thing we're gonna do the first couple days i mean i'm i'm the kind of person like i'm just gonna be like yeah swear me in there's the band's still gonna be playing and i'll be like get me the hell out of here get me to the office let me start signing pardons right and get people out of prison um nonviolent drug offenses nonviolent tax tax crimes um you know a, a lot of that crap we need to get people out of prison um right right uh descheduling all of the uh drugs from all the fun drugs from the DEA's schedule. Um, only the fun ones. Only the fun ones. Uh, yeah, some of, the, some of the not fun. To- I mean, yeah, I don't know. Get rid of the whole thing. Whatever. Right, right. Um, we'll take a vote. Um, we're going we're to start deregulating the FDA, which means we're not going to prosecute people who are operating outside of the FDA's rules so that we can allow a um, uh, private uh, organization to form that can do the FDA's job better and cheaper and actually get drugs to market Hmm. um that are going to save people's lives we're going to shut down the dea completely the department of education completely the atf completely uh the irs completely um and and a couple others and uh we're going to start looking into oh the nsa is on that list completely Yeah. yeah we're going to uh start looking at you know, what, what we can do to really start downsizing the FBI until it's, it's nothing left. And I know some libertarians like, why wouldn't you just get rid of it on day one? Well, they actually have, um, a lot of systems in place that if we transition to, uh, private organizations would actually make, um, would actually be really useful in helping local law enforcement, um, Find real criminals, actual like rapists, criminals, murderers, right, which right. like, hey, that's a good thing, right? Right. Um, it just shouldn't be in the hands of government. And actually, the same thing with the NSA. Although the NSA, like, they can be shut down immediately. They just have a bunch of servers that need to be wiped, and we can auction them off or do something, right? Right. So, um, yeah, there's there's uh, there's some fun stuff.
1: I was going to say that that would be a pretty uh, aggressive hundred days, so that you we can probably probably stop it at there. Cause that, that would be a lot. So that would be very good. Um, next question is how do you feel about the, this is a question that gets asked of almost every guest that comes on, uh, that's related to the libertarian party. How do you feel about the inclusion of libertarian socialists and anarcho communists and people that, like left libertarians into the party?
2: So I've had some conversations with some of them. Um, I've had some on my show and they're, you know, I, I think at their core, They're good people Mm -hmm. They're, You know, some of them like the idea of communism, but the anarcho-communism is always really interesting. And I've tried to push them to, you know, what's the point? Actually, I'm going to tie this back into something I said earlier in a minute. What's the point you would take property from me? Right. Um, Because that's that's the difference. Right. Right. Like they want to get rid of the government, but at some point they feel like they're entitled to other people's property. And at what point would they take property? And, you know, one guy, I was pushing him like, so, at, you know, is would if I left my house for 10 minutes to go get groceries, would I come back and find you there on my couch? Right. And he said, well, no, I, I think, you know, if I see a house that's obviously well-maintained and there's furniture and, you know, everything else, I'm not going to assume that's an abandoned house and I'm not going to take that property for myself. But if I see a house that's abandoned, the grass is overgrown, there's no furniture, he might move in. Now, what's really interesting about this is looking down in Mexico... Um, they they have a lot of squatters rights laws and and i think the u.s used to have a lot of this and and like it goes back to common law and, and everything else right um like you know english and, and everything so yeah. what's really interesting is like why not and we have a government registry that says you know this property belongs to somebody but i mean if you abandon it like what what's this like can you go to a ghost town and say like oh well this entire town is abandoned. I'm going to occupy one of these houses. I don't know why you'd want to do that, but could you do that? And is the actual owner of that house going to complain? Because there's probably still a title somewhere that says, you know, some guy 50 years ago or hundred years ago used to own this. And maybe now he's dead and, and his, his uh, next of kin should have, have legal ownership to it. Chain of ownership. And it's like, somebody says, Hey, there's this ghost town. It's just sitting here. It's completely abandoned. I'm going to, I'm going to do something with it and you know, maybe he builds a city or he builds like a business, right. And he builds the next Amazon warehouse there. Right. Then what the, the, you know, the people who haven't been there for a hundred years and their great, great granddaughters are going to come there and say, Oh, well, you built that on property that we own. So that's ours. Um, that, that doesn't make too much sense to me. So I get the idea, uh, you know, like we have to understand we, we have this concept that, the government's registry of property is the de facto, this is who owns it. And even as capitalists, we need to get out of that mentality because that's how the native Americans had their land taken away. Right. Oh, you don't have title to it. So uh, that means government gets to decide who gets it. Right. Um, You you, you have these processes and like, it's, you know, why, why is, um, you know, who, who owns any land in California? Right. Like, who who decided like oh am I going to homestead it? Am I going to draw a map around it? There are giant plots of land. The government owns what seventy percent of the West Coast or of the Western something half something like United that.
1: States? I, I know they own like ninety percent of Nevada or something like that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Why? Who? Who said they get to do that? They're not homesteading it. Yeah. Like they just they just drew a circle on a map. They just, it just claimed ours. ownership. Right. Right. It's yeah. So. Like none of this seems fair. So to trust a government roster for that, I think is, is completely different. So I think that conversation is is really a conversation worth having. And by the way, that's that, that uh, that's what I wanted to tie into what I said earlier about doing things completely different. Um, and people, you know, asking the question about how would we have a military? How would you deal with property rights and squatters and everything else? Well, that's dealt with completely different um, in Mexico than it is in, in the United States. And it's very interesting. And in some situations it actually works out a lot better in Mexico. And in some situations it works out better in the United States. So, um, but yeah, I, I, so these are the conversations that I've had with some of the, um, some of the ANCOMs and I think it's really interesting. I don't think they're right on everything. Um, but I think bringing that, um, bringing that type of conversation into the mix is, is not a bad thing. Don't get me wrong, I think there are some of them that are like batshit crazy.
1: Oh, and um, I mean
2: some are like tanky. Some of them call themselves Ancoms yeah. and they're
1: Leninists. They're not they're yeah. forced collectivists. And I and I want to make that distinction between actual libertarian socialists and, you know, Stalin fanboys or whatever. Like there's a difference. Right. Um so yeah.
2: Yeah. And one of these guys, he was like, he was like, hey, I just I'd really want to like, I don't want to have to worry about rent and paying for food because I want to spend all of my time and effort in my life going around the world and helping people in different places. And I'm like, well, that's like, I, I can't say anything wrong with that. And if you were doing that, you'd probably get food for free along your way. From right. The if you're, you're
1: helping. Right. If you're going around helping people, that's going to come to
2: you. anyway. <laughs> like you're providing right. value to people. They're going to help you back. Right. Exactly. And, and I don't think he was pushing for a tax to be able to pay for that. Right. Now there are the group of people who say, well, Yeah, we should get rid of the government, but while it's here, we we should expand it because at least while they're robbing us, they should give us something back. And that's a totally flawed argument because basically what you're saying is governments, since government is so big, let's make it bigger before we make it smaller. But that's always the argument that's used. And then it gets bigger. And then, you know, you forget the plan about making it smaller, and then somebody else comes along and says, it's too big. Let's make it bigger and then smaller. Right, right, and right. Yeah, Bigger, 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 and it never ends.
1: Right, and that's actually on, on both sides you'll see that. So you'll see on the on, on the left side, you'll see people go, well, we don't need a government, but while it's here, we should get UBI and Medicare for All. And like, you know, stuff to help us live better because they've made our lives bad. And then on the right side, you'll get some people that will go, well, we don't need a government at all. But while there's a welfare state, they should be like stopping people from coming here. And even some of the more extreme ones are like stopping poor people from having kids so that, you know, people can't take my welfare. And I'm like, if either of you think that this government that you're demanding be be expanded is going to then turn around and grant you your rights back. I think maybe you should look at the entire history of every government ever. Um, So the next question, uh, uh, you were asked at the uh, South Carolina Libertarian Party debate who you thought was the most libertarian Democrat or Republican. Who do you think is the most Democrat or Republican member of the L.P.?
2: Man, I, I don't know, man. I hate questions like this because to tell you the truth, I hate labels. Like, I mean, people ask me like, well, are you a libertarian? And I'm, I have to ask, what do you mean by libertarian? Right. Um, cause everyone's got different definitions. I, I, it's really, I mean, I could, I could probably say Bill Weld, I, you know, that's that. Yes, correct. That's actually, I have that written down. That's the correct answer. Oh, well, I got the right answer. Yeah. Right. Um, answer. But I mean, like maybe he's just the most popular one. But he's not even a libertarian anymore, so or is he undercover trying to convince He is the a
1: lifetime member of the party. So I wrote that down as the correct answer. So I mean if you're running in the Republican primary for president and are the Libertarian
2: Party lifetime member
1: and I as wasn't
2: he, I wasn't a member of the Libertarian Party until a couple months ago when they forced me so membership doesn't necessarily make somebody a libertarian no but i said but the question member of the lp
1: oh i see yeah so no you got the you you know you're lit you're litigating your correct answer so you know you were right um so uh
2: libertarians battle with the misconception of being selfish greedy and not hold on a second i you just got me with a really interesting question can i sue myself in court yes and can I lose on purpose to set precedent? Sure. <sighs> okay, cool. Yeah, sorry, what was the question?
1: The question was uh can you sue yourself in court and if oh no. Uh no, liber- libertarians <laughs> battle with the misconception of being selfish, greedy and not caring about others. What do you think mm-hmm. is the
2: best way that we can battle that misconception? Um I I think we have to understand that it's true. Um is the correct answer because Like, but we have to understand what that means and that selfishness is not necessarily a bad thing, but anybody who wants to make a change to government wants to make a change in where they think the problem is because of their own reasons. Right. Some people are libertarians because they want to legalize weed. That's selfish because that's what they think. And it might not be because they smoke it. It might be because they're tired of seeing their friends and family thrown in prison for it. Okay. But isn't that still kind of selfish? Isn't it just selfish if all you want is the world to be a better place without government torturing people and throwing them in cells and killing them? That's what you want. You want to live in that world, right? So we have to understand that, well, yeah, we're we're all selfish. But we also have to understand that makes us just like everybody else. And that, makes, that means that we just want to live our lives just like everybody else. And when we come to that understanding, like with my health care plan, one of the things is you know it's easy for for us to get republicans because they're selfish and i don't want the government taking my money right so they see low taxes smaller government okay cool so they come they come for that for the democrats it's usually pretty hard because they say but i want people to be healthy i want the poor and the sick and the young and the old to be taken care of and so all we need to do is say you know not fuck the poor, which a lot of libertarians like to say, we need to say, okay, let's solve those problems. Right. How do we solve those problems without government? And when you start going down that path, you'll realize, oh, well, government actually created those problems. And when you start talking to people like that, I would love to fix those problems. I would love to make sure that there aren't homeless, starving children and elderly in this country. I would love that. And I would love for you to live in that country, in this country, in that way, without those problems, how do we make it happen? We get government out of the way because the government's creating all these problems. And that's when their minds just kind of explode and they're like, wow, okay, that's cool. So this
1: took a very Sterner-esque turn. Maybe egoism slightly, uh, where you were saying, you know, even when we're doing things for others, ultimately there's a selfish aspect to it in that we're helping our... We're, feels good, right? It feels good and then we like that. So like people... Pretty much never do anything that is going to cause them to feel some kind of, you know, pain or distress, like a, a net negative feeling. Unless they're masochists, in which case it's still kind of selfish because they actually have a perverse pleasure in hurting themselves. But that's still so. So do you now? Do you consider yourself an egoist, or is that
2: just kind of no? Okay, I don't think so. Okay,
1: no, I was curious because that's sort of the 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 sterner. The Max Sterner thing of you know perceived uh, self interest and so forth. Uh, so the last question from the followers before we go to final, my fellow Americans, uh, is uh, what was the last non libertarian position you held and uh, what made you give up on it?
2: The last non libertarian. I'm trying to think. When did I give up on closed borders? That was me. Too. I don't think I've. I don't think I've ever been for closed borders. Oh, okay. I think probably probably the closest one would have been some form of common sense gun control back when I was a Californian cuz that I grew up in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. So that that's probably the last one and that was a pretty pretty long time ago.
1: And it was just as part of your evolution into libertarianism that you gave up on that. Yeah.
2: I think it was it was part of my personal evolution, but I think it had more to do like it happened before I came across the Libertarian Party and even understood what a Libertarian was. But I think it had to do with just moving to Texas, getting introduced to gun culture with, you know, people who were like in, in a way that like, you know, broke through all the propaganda that I was used to seeing. Right. In California.
1: Right. You weren't just seeing bad actors with guns, you were seeing people that like were just normal reasonable people that wanted to be able to defend themselves and so forth. As right. opposed to guns were for bank robbers and drug dealers and you know gangsters or whatever.
2: I don't think I was ever that well, eh, maybe I was. I don't know. Yeah, but it's I mean it all came from it all cuz like I mean look, when I was like when I was like 8, I shot like a 22 at a shooting range at a boy scout camp and I shot a couple BB guns. And that was it. That right. was my childhood with guns. So everything else I knew about it came from TV, which is a good way I mean, to remember supporting gun control. Is
1: so we have a segment now called uh, "Final, My Fellow Americans," and basically what I'm going to do uh, that sounds is
2: terrible. Are we all going to die?
1: Yes. Um. And uh, uh. And you'll never know when. That's the worst part of it. Um. But just because we started this at some later date. We will all die. So I'm going to give you 30 seconds. uh, And you're going to, I'm going to give you the names of uh, some of the other people that are running for the Libertarian Party uh, nomination for president. And you're going to tell me what you think their favorite pizza topping is. Okay. Do you think you can do this? Yep. 30 seconds.
2: I it's not going to be enough seconds. time.
1: It's not going to be enough time, but I'm going to give you 30 seconds
2: to answer as many as I can. To answer as many as you can,
1: okay. and then I might still keep asking you. We really don't know. This game has no rules. This is a pure anarchy game. But uh, let me know when you're ready, and we will start.
2: Hold on. Let me pull up my random word generator. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Okay, perfect. Uh, so 30 seconds on the clock. Good luck,
1: Ken Armstrong. Jake. Oh, wow. Uh, Adam Kokesh, Gunpowder, <laughs> Ben Leader,
2: Revenge,
1: <laughs> Joe Jorgensen, Salt, uh, Kim Ruff,
2: Rainbows. That's a good one. Uh, Vermin Supreme
1: probably should have been rainbows. Pony meat. Oh, yeah, that's obvious. Um, Who else do I have here? Uh, Max Abramson.
2: Uh, Tactical voting.
1: (laughs) These are terrible pizza toppings. Salt. The actual answer, by the way, for Joe Jorgensen is that she doesn't find that to be something that the voters are interested in. And she would rather talk (sighs) to you about the income tax. Okay. So
2: you've lost. I mean, I'm happy to talk about the income tax.
1: No, as are all as are all libertarians. So you did so lose a... that, but you have gotten the highest score for any loser about um, that game, which I just started today. Um, awesome. So good job. And also, I'm sorry. Um, Dan, it's been an absolute blast having you on uh i hope to have you on again soon and also it was a blast apparently being on your show as well i guess on my show on your show on my show your show on my show it's been great to have your show on my show dan so before i let you go i want to give you a chance to give any final thoughts you want to give any message you want to say anything you feel like we didn't have a chance to talk about anything you want to plug any events that are up anything you want to talk about
2: Dan Berman, the floor is yours. All right, well, definitely check out Berman2020.com. I have links there to all my social media platforms. Follow me on every single one because there's always interesting stuff popping up. Get on my mailing list, make a donation. Uh, If you make a donation, $50 or more, we're actually giving out your choice of one of these really awesome pins over here. We've Mm. got a taxationist theft and the little me with a little hat. Um, and, uh, yeah, just remember you are not government property. We are not government property and stop letting the government treat us like property and we'll all have much better lives. That's what we're fighting for.
1: Very good. Thank you again for coming on. Uh, stick around. I'm going to talk with you during the outro. Uh, but guys, thanks again for tuning in to my fellow Americans. It was great having you. Be sure to come back next Tuesday for the Muddy Waters of Freedom, where Matt Wright and I will be parsing through the week's news like the sweet autumn cherubs that we are. And then uh, tune in again uh, next Thursday, Uh, I believe. We haven't completely firmed up the time, but I believe next Thursday we will be having the Masters of Debate 2 from the famous Masters of Debate series. Uh, This time it will be an LNC Libertarian National Committee chair debate between uh, Joshua Smith, Todd Hagopian, Hagopian, I think it's Hagopian, and Mike Shipley, and possibly Nick Sarwark. He has said that he's not sure if he's running for re-election. But if he decides between now and Thursday, he'll be on as well. Uh, And then sometime next week, I don't have an exact... uh, an exact time yet, uh, day or time yet, but sometime the following week, uh, John McAfee will be my guest. John, I don't have a good nickname for him, but McAfee, John McAfee will be on. And uh, yeah, so be sure to tune in to Muddy Waters Media. Thank you guys again for watching. Have a great rest of your evening and God bless you.